Welcome to The Specialist. I'm Rob Barnard and in this podcast series, we'll be talking to mortgage industry thought leaders who aren't afraid to address pressing issues happening in the here and now. Over the course of this series, we will explore real world affairs that are in need of their bold new ideas and expertise. Ideas that cut through the financial jargon and offer real world specialist solutions for everyday people in the mortgage industry. That's specialist ideas from specialist experts for you to tune into at home or on the go. Hello and welcome to The Specialist. I'm your host, Rob Barnard, and in this episode, I'll be talking with Ryan Brailsford, Director of Business Development at my own company, Pepper Money. We're going to be talking about the importance of brokers having a great relationship with their BDM, or as we at Pepper call them, RDM, and simply what makes a great BDM, how the job's changed over the years, and just what does good look like. Now, Ryan and I have worked together for many years and outside work, he loves his cars and has an eye for a gadget. And I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Ryan, it's really, really great to have you on air with me today. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. Good. So come on then. How did you end up in the mortgage business? I think I, I sort of fell into it, which seems to be the answer that, that a lot of people give in this industry. I actually used to work in a, in a call centre when I was 17 years old, um, booking driving theory tests, actually. And quite simply, it was a very long commute and I was looking for a more local call centre and I found myself at the Virgin One account. And basically the rest is history. I moved over to the intermediary side um, within 12 months and I've just never looked back. Absolutely love working with intermediaries um, and I've done it both phone, field and, and management ever since. You've been a BDM. I've been a BDM, all right, many, many moons ago, but I've been a BDM. Um, what do you think makes a really good top-notch BDM? I think there's a there's a word that's probably a little bit overused, but I think is is the right one to answer this question, and that is passion. I think if a BDM is truly passionate about what they do, truly passionate about the market and doing a good job for their brokers, then all the other good traits uh, that a broker needs um, from that individual will be there. They'll be knowledgeable, not only about their own products, but about their peers in the market as well. They'll come with ideas that you know, genuinely help to grow the intermediary's business by sharing best practice from others, giving an opinion from, from a different perspective sometimes, um, and they'll be themselves. And that's a big one for me. You know, what makes a good BDM is someone who loves what they do so much that they, you know, you genuinely get to know them. You build a relationship of, of trust and honesty, um, and you know that you can turn to them whenever you need anything. No, I think I think that's really valid, and I think I think we've all worked with some really good examples of that. And, and you, on the flip side, we've probably seen what what great doesn't look like as well. Um, yeah. So, so how do Pepper sort of approach the the field based stroke telephony approach with regard to a sales concept? So we've got seven, um, as you say, RDMs is what we call our field based team. We've got seven of them covering um, England and Wales, um, and then we've got seven telephony based BDMs as well. Um, however, what we have done is we've adapted the setup of the team during the pandemic, actually, to, to better service our brokers. We used to have what I think was quite a typical setup of, of pairing phone and field together. But I think as the field roles adapted over time and that they spend a little bit more time at a desk maybe than they did before, that didn't really work as much. And we didn't think that maybe we were giving brokers as much as we could if we refought the telephony role slightly. Um, so whilst we still have just as many people in that team, they now work on a national basis. 
And you, you touched on the pandemic. I think everything sort of came to a stop from a face-to-face perspective when, when the pandemic hit for obvious reasons. What sort of have you seen change significantly from an interaction point of view with regard to a field-based RDM, BDM, as they've come out of the pandemic? What What's changed? And have some of the things that they started to adopt during the pandemic stuck um, because it worked and worked well? Yeah, it definitely has. I think I think in real terms we saw a massive shift from from one one extreme to the other, and then over time we've maybe met in the middle. And I think that was maybe what was to be expected. You know, if I, if I think back to that kind of initial lockdown, it all just seemed to come out of nowhere for us all, didn't it? And um, you know, I think about myself. I was getting up every day, putting a, a full suit on, um, sitting in front of a camera, presenting at events that were supposed to be face to face, and we scrabbled around to you know to get themselves onto a digital platform as soon as they could. And I think bit by bit, you know, everybody in the industry has adapted a little bit and we've found our stride. The challenge that we had, I think, in the field is that whilst it's great, you know, in those early days to at least have another option and to be able to say, look, let's keep in touch, let's use Zoom, let's use Teams. That was great for for newer intermediaries, I think. So, you know, if you've just registered with Pepper Money, you want to know all about us. Very, very easy to get on a video call, give it a good, you know, 40 minutes, tell you everything that you need to know. But with those more uh, long-standing relationships, stronger relationships that we have with many of our intermediary partners, it gets a little bit, I think, a little bit boring kind of trying to keep in touch via video. And that became a challenge towards the end because people were sort of saying, look, you know, I like you, but I'll, I'll speak to you next when you can come in. Um, you know, I don't really want to do teams again. So trying to find that balance has been has been a little bit difficult. But the big change for us has been that they're generally out three days a week now rather than four, um, with that extra day being used for virtual meetings. So the thing that I'm most keen on is that we can deal with an intermediary the way that they want to be dealt with. It's a proper hybrid approach now. We, we use our sort of strengths where where we get the best out of things. If people want to see us face-to-face, give us a call, we'll come and see you. If you prefer to do a Zoom or a Teams, then we'll jump on one of those as well. Exactly. And I think it's, it's interesting because I think it'll probably keep changing not just in our space, but in the world. I think everyone's still working out what what hybrid looks like. Um, But I think that one of the biggest changes for the team at the moment is email traffic has gone up and phone calls have gone down. And that's quite interesting. But I also think, and you make a really good point there about how sort of working patterns have changed. I think I'm right in saying that our sort of business or or, or the times that business come in through the day have changed a a lot as well. It's not just from the usual eight till six, which was always like, 95% 95% of our business, the working day has changed significantly. Exactly. Yeah, you can definitely tell that people are doing, you know, well, obviously at the beginning, it was a bit of homeschooling and things, and at least that's gone. Um, but you can also tell that now, you know, we are back in the kind of normal world and the kids are at school. But what you can tell is that maybe things like after school clubs, people aren't doing it anymore. They're working around it because they've got that flexibility. So, you know, why ship them off from school to somewhere else that you're paying for every single day? Because you had to, because you then had to commute home when actually now you can go and get them, take an hour off and then carry on. So we are really seeing, like you say, a big change in the times that we get business in, the times that people interact with our emails. Because um, that's another interesting one from a, from a marketing point of view. You know, there used to be a spike when everyone got on the train at the end of the day and read their emails. And that's just not really a thing now. So, uh, yeah, businesses have to adapt to that as well. No, that's good. I'll let you into one little secret, but don't tell anybody. Yes, I wore a shirt and tie, but I've always had shorts and flip-flops on on the Zoom calls, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> I, um, I I always think, and you've heard me say this before, I always think BDMing is the best job in the world. I really do. I think it gives you the freedom to sort of work for yourself because I always think any BDM is, is basically their own their own boss in their own area, providing they're getting the, the levels of business in. But 
it can also be the loneliest job in the world. Um, and I think it's, it's a lonely job when maybe you're not quite getting to the level of business that your particular region needs. How, how have you sort of gone around changing how you adapt your management style to look after the mental well-being of your team? Because I'm sure that, especially during those dark days of the pandemic, we're probably really trying for some of the guys. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, and, I, and I have really gone out of my way, actually, to, to try to support that. I, I think... Um, I mean, well, you, you know me well enough, Rob. I'm, I'm quite hard on my sleeve myself. So I think I've been very honest with the team from the outset that, you know, I've made no secret to them that those dark days, as you call them, didn't do me any good either. Um, you know, I, I'm so used to being out and about and in front of people that suddenly being locked in a desk, you know, for, for two years well, wasn't nice. Um, so I was very keen to sort of make sure that if they were feeling the same, that, you know, we had that, that conversation um, and that we were there to support each other. Um, in the early days, when it was just very much that everyone was kind of locked in the house, one of the first things that I did was I moved our one-to-ones and any kind of business catch-ups off Teams and Zoom. Um, and I said, they buy by mobile and we both go for a walk. Um, that way, we both leave our desks. We're able to step away from the day. We're able to have a proper catch-up where we're not distracted and we get a bit of fresh air. Um, you know, it's so easy to get stuck at your desk. And um, that went down really, really well. As time's moved on, um, you know, we still do that sometimes, but it's not as important now because we are out and about a little bit more. But one of the things that I suppose we've adapted and then kept is the utilisation of technology. Um, and that's internal as much as it is external. So I think the team are closer now as a field team than they ever were before and any field team I've ever worked in before. Um, because suddenly we've got that opportunity to easily just dial in on a Friday afternoon and have a chat you know, and there's sometimes there's things to cover and there's things to talk about from a work point of view, but there's plenty of time to just have a chat and a bit of a laugh as well. Um, and even if that's only once a week, it makes a big difference. No, I think that's a really valid point. And I, and I did the same. I, I used telephony quite a bit rather than, I think, Zoom fatigue. I mean, I'd never even heard of Zoom. There were words we'd never heard of, wasn't there? I'd never heard of Zoom. And I think it was it was nice to go and have a walk around the block with a phone to your ear rather than being sat. Um, sat behind your desk. Um, yeah, one thing I think's changed significantly, and, and bear in mind for me being a technophobe, um, one thing that I think's been a massive addition to, to sort of BDM's sort of toolkit, shall you say, is, is is technology. I mean, I remember when I was first a BDM at a regional building society, I don't know, 30 years ago, turned up so full of enthusiasm on my first day and said to my boss, where's my database? And he threw the yellow pages at me because literally that was it. I think when I tell that tale now with BDMs, they think I've come down with the last, last rain shower. Um, and it literally was a matter of trawling through the yellow pages. And then if you were any good, you had, you remember those little little plastic fold, you won't, you're far too young, but, but one of those little plastic fold with all little cards in and you wrote a card for every contact you had so you knew what the dog was called when the birthdays was etc but technology has come on so much hasn't it over the last probably 10 years since the global financial crisis what what do sort of bdms have now that i didn't have all those those years ago when the yellow pages was my best friend yeah i think it's a really good point it has changed a lot um you know and you joke about my age but i don't think i got given much more in my first bdm role even than the yellow pages and i think it's it is over the last sort of you know 10 15 years where suddenly there is a lot being used um in, in every lander as, as far as i know that, that helps them to do their job a little bit better um i'm sure the team will forgive me for suggesting as well that i think maybe the pandemic has uh has changed their mentality a little bit around some use of technology as well um you know you talk about how it's a bit of a a bit of a lonely job, you know, you're kind of out there, you're the face of the lender, you're very much on your own in a BDM world, you know, everyone else is in a head office somewhere and you're kind of in the field. And I think sometimes as well, that can disassociate you from certain systems. 
Um, you know, we've definitely been in a place in the past where we've got the telephony guys using a certain system and the field saying they can't because they're in the car. And I think we've got a lot better at that and we've found a way for the whole team to, to use things. So obviously externally facing, we've already covered, you know, the use of virtual meetings, webinars. Like you say, I'd never even heard of Zoom. I'm exactly the same as you. You know, these things kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of us. And now they're a big part of our, our day and week. Um, but then internally, you know, we have a, a huge CRM system that feeds all sorts in um, and has a phone app as well. So, you know, the field team are just a lot more prepped because, you know, to your point about maybe, you know, jotting down the dog's name, they can do all those kind of things. They know exactly what business is in. They know exactly where it is. So if they walk through the door and someone says, oh, I used you last week, they're not saying, oh, good, thank you. They're saying, yeah, I know. And it was in the name of Brown and it's just been offered. Um, and that's just all at their fingertips, which really, really helps them out. So in theory, it's no different than I was doing 30 years ago with a pen and paper, effectively, but it's now an automated approach that is at your fingertips. Absolutely. And I think the big thing for me and the, the biggest difference between the two is that it then means it's transferable to others. So, you know, we want our field and phone team to work together seamlessly um, and your pieces of paper will be great for you, but they wouldn't be great for anyone else. Um, and now if somebody calls in and runs a case files this morning, if the field guy goes in to see them this afternoon, he can see that on his phone as well. So we're a lot more joined up and I think it just helps us to to continually give a really strong service. Yeah, And, and another point then, again, I'm making myself sound like a dinosaur here. But again, when, when, when I was first BDMing, I didn't even have a mobile phone. The first thing I did on payday was went and got £5 worth of 10p's because you had to stop at a public phone box. And for those younger listeners, that's those red things that have often been turned into defibrillator houses or libraries. But it's true. Things have changed so massively over the last 30 years and, and we're in a much, much better place now. So if, you, if you're looking and, and have three tips, Ryan, that you could give to an intermediary, a broker, an IFA of getting the best out of your local BDM rdm what would they be first of all i i suppose i would say this rob but i would say think carefully about which lender you spend your time with um you know i think if you're very very busy as a, as a broker which of course everybody is um you've only got so many hours in the week that you can see a bdm you know don't make that a really mainstream lender that you use every day that you know inside out you know give a chance to a specialist lender um learn a little bit more about what we do in our market because there's quite a few of us now and it's a growing space. And I think as we not only come out of the pandemic, but also now we've got the cost of living crisis, you know, I think it's going to continue to get bigger. Um, and knowing, you know, a bit more detail about how we can help you to, to, to sort of write more business and certainly to help more customers um, is really, really important. And I think then if you do get in front of that BDM or you let them get in front of you, as it might be, um, ask, ask them questions. You know, don't shy away from from saying to them, you know, what are other brokers doing? How are they getting specialist business in? Because um, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is making sure that things like your social media and your websites have got certain keywords on. Because people don't tend to Google, I want a mortgage. They tend to Google things like, I want a mortgage, but I'm a contractor. I want a mortgage, but I've got a CCJ. So, you know, make yourself your local expert and make sure people know that you're able to help them. Um, and that's what, you know, BDMs like my team can certainly help you with. Brilliant. And, and I'd go a little bit further from, from your first point there about who do who do brokers see. Um, 
I'd, I'd say to intermediaries, and I've, I've said it on platforms for many a year now, and I think it's even more important now, don't let a BDM through the door that's not going to help you write more business. Yes, of course you need to know who your, your key BDMs are for all your lenders to help you when a case starts going wrong. But really look at BDMs as a way of getting more business, helping you write more business. Dealing with specialist lenders today is as simple as it's ever been. And in real terms, everything you get from a, from a case progress point of view with the mainstream lenders you now get from the specialists. So I think just, just target who you see. If you're only seeing two or three BDMs a month, just question yourself, as you say, Ryan, who you see. Don't let anybody through your door. It's not going to help you write more business. I think the days of coffee and football chats or, or whatever they are have gone. They have to be incremental. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a really, really valid point. If anybody wants to find out more about Pepper or about maybe getting in touch with any of your team, Ryan, how do they do that? Yeah, just simply go to the website, um, www.pepper.money. Um, and you've got the meet the team bit under the intermediary section there. As I say, we've got seven in the field covering the whole of England and Wales. All their numbers are on there and their photos um, and email addresses. So, yeah, please do get in touch and they'll be very happy to see you via whichever medium you like to do. So, as, as I said at the top of the, the conversation, Ryan, you like your cars. Well, I always had the Fiestas. You've always had the executive models. Um, but you've always had an eye for a gadget. Last time I sort of popped around your house, there's, there's always something a little bit new and, and whizzy that you want to show off. What's your favourite gadget? See, that's a very tough question because you're right. I've got so many. Um, it would have to be my robot Hoover, Rob. It, it's absolutely brilliant. So five years ago when we moved into this house, I spent an absolute fortune on this robot Hoover. Um, and I told my wife how much it cost. And I knocked a couple hundred quid off anyway. And she was still shocked um, because it looks like a real gimmick with you know no actual use. But in reality, it's amazing. Um, it does the best job of hoovering the house that anyone can do under the beds, under the wardrobes, under the sofas, takes its time. It maps it out with infrared lights and it knows exactly where it's been and where it needs to go back to. And then this is my favourite bit. After it's done a great job and the house is immaculate, it sends me a little map to show me where it's been and which bits it's cleaned. So, um, yeah, I think that's still my favourite gadget. For those dialing in late, you have dialed into a mortgage podcast, not not uh, <laughs> not house and hound. Um, my, my wife's got a robot. Hoover, it's me. Um so uh, I, I have that job. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us today. Great to hear everything that your BDM team do at Pepper Money. And also really good to hear how basically dealing with a specialist lender can help brokers write more business. Thanks, Rob. Of course, a big thank you also goes out to our listeners. This has been The Specialist, brought to you by Pepper Money. If you've really enjoyed the content today, then let us know. Go on our social media and use the hashtag, hashtag Pepper Specialist Podcast. 